Welcome back to the Financial Freedom Show. My name is Rob Berger. In this video, we're going to do a walkthrough of a financial planning tool called Projection Lab. I think you're really going to like this tool. This is sort of part of a series of videos I've done where I just take one financial planning slash retirement planning calculator type tool and show it to you. Walk through it, show you some of the features, how I use it. And, uh, and then you can, of course, choose what you think works best for you. If you like this kind of content, please consider subscribing to the channel. I also send out a newsletter every Sunday morning. Uh, you can subscribe to that with the link below the video. So with that, let's dive right in. This is Projection Lab. It's just pr projectionlab.com. And uh, it's uh, a tool that was developed by this gentleman. His name is Kyle. I have chatted with Kyle. They have a Discord uh that they have on for you know for for help and you can go to the the discord which is just a messaging app and i've had a number of back and forths with kyle where he's uh, basically helped me understand the tool so he's been very responsive and the tool is not free there is a ba what they call a basic version that is free gives you a chance to test it out you can't save your data so that's something to keep in mind uh and uh but it has most of the features now what i have is the premium version i paid that for this it's you get a seven day free trial it's eight bucks a month billed annually i think it comes out to 96 dollars. it adds a few more features like tax estimation and some tax options uh, but i think very reasonable and uh the 40 a month is designed more for advisors and, and money coaches so that's sort of the cost uh and uh i noticed by the way they do have a lifetime version for premium uh and you could do just month to month it ends up being a little bit more i chose the annual plan so that's the cost so let's dive right in when you first get st started you'll come to this screen and you'll click the normal walkthrough to just start in entering your own data i recommend that you don't do that first that you play with the what, what they're calling the sandbox mode which is what we're going to do and what it does is it gives you a number of choices of sort of demo data uh, based on uh, different stages of life, whether you're in school or out of school, uh, in the middle of your career, near retirement, single, uh, married, and, uh, and you can pick pick one, and it gives you a real sense of what the tool can do. You notice he also uh, has some versions for folks that live in other countries, but we're going to go with mid-career married, just to walk through this demo. And uh, you acknowledge the terms and conditions. You can subscribe to the newsletter if you want to. And here it is. And uh, so we're going to skip you can actually go through a tour, but I'm going to provide that tour today, so we'll skip that. And what we're looking at is the dashboard. And what we can see here is just a progression of net worth over time. So this looks like this data goes back to 2013. The point being, as you use this tool you know, going forward, uh, you'll see more and more progressions as the balances of your various accounts change. This is showing us the progression of net worth. You can look at assets and liabilities as well. Uh, they're, of course, listed here. Here are all the assets, and we'll look at these in more detail. But, you know, obviously, sort of the, the things you would expect, house, retirement accounts, taxable accounts. They've got a car in here. They've got cryptocurrency. Uh, and then, of course, liabilities, uh, any debts that you have. And I'll show you how to enter all of that. But this gives you a sort of a, a bird's eye view of all of that. And then any plans that you have. And so they've got one plan here. Again, we're going to look at that in detail. So uh, all of this data, how does it get entered? Well, if we go over here to current finances, you can see that there are sort of toggles here. So we're looking at savings accounts. They have one for investments, uh, real assets, and we'll look at each of these uh, briefly, but 
um, any unsecured debt, think a credit card or student loan, and then information about you. So the thing to know here is that in this current finances tab, you enter very, very basic information about each of these types of investments or assets. So for savings, if we wanted to add one, literally the only thing you put in is the balance and whether you own it. And if you're working with a spouse, it, maybe your spouse owns it or it's joint and that's it. Uh, we're going to delete this. We just, by the way, to do that, if you just hover over here, you see a little X and you can delete it. With investments, uh, again, it's the same thing. You want to add an investment. Here are all the types that they that, that they offer at the moment. We can narrow it down for our purposes to the United States and we can pick one. And uh, But whatever we pick, at least initially, again, all we're putting in is the balance down here and who owns it. There will be more information to, to add to these accounts. I'll show you where you do that. But in the current finances tab, it's just the basic information. Same thing with re, uh, real assets. They've got a car here, a spouse's car and a house. All of these are financed. And so they have information about the loans for each of these assets. To show you how that works, let's add, oh, I don't know, a motorcycle. Uh, this is showing that it's fully owned. So there's no information here for the financing. Of course, if we click this and say it's financed, then we get some other options. And you would just fill in this information in this case about a motorcycle. So again, very easy to complete this information. Uh, unsecured debt, same way. They have just a, a generic debt, maybe like a personal loan, for example, but they also have student loans, credit card debt, and medical debt. And it does matter which one you pick. You wanna get it right. If you have a student loan, you wanna enter it as a student loan. And the thing here is on this page, it may not seem like it matters. Balance, APR, who owns it, interest, compounding, monthly payment, that seems pretty generic for any debt. But as we'll see when we get to the plan, uh, the information available for each of these types of accounts can vary depending on the type of account. So you, you do want to get it correct, but we'll delete that. There are no unsecured debts in this uh, demo plan. And then of course, information about you. Are you planning as a couple or an individual? Uh, obviously your, your, your month and year of birth is important for planning purposes. And, and there you go, that's pretty straightforward uh, to enter the basic information. If we go to the pro progress tab, this just is really an expansion, I'll go back to dashboard, of this. So if we go here, we're looking at net worth, we can move this, let's just look at, I don't know, look at assets, there we go. And you can see the progress points that have been taken. You can imagine over time, say coming into current finances, going to savings and perhaps changing the balance. For example, maybe you've saved more of you or you've spent more and you could see that progress on this page. Now I will tell you, we've looked at dashboard, current finance and progress. You will not spend most of your time with any of those. Where you're going to spend your time is down here with plans. And right now they have one plan. Here it is. This is, this is really where the magic happens with projection lab. And let me skip the tour. Uh, and let me first just do a high level walkthrough of what we're looking at, and then we'll dive down into some of the details. The first thing is you can change the name of the plan here, and that will become important as we, we generate new plans that we want to compare to this, but we'll leave the, the name as it is. Uh, settings uh, gives you some settings for milestones. We'll talk about that. Growth rates of your accounts, taxes, uh, if you want to have bonds, and I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And then the order you're going to draw down on all of your assets when you retire. Now, 
If we go back to the plan, those settings, many of them you can access here. Here's your growth rate, right? Here's your dividend yield, your inflation. We'll talk about these. Here's your tax settings. If you click that, it just takes you back to where we were. So I'll, these links over here are just sort of shortcuts. Here's your bond allocation. To get back to these pages, we've got a drawdown order and we've got uh, uh, withdrawal strategy. We'll look at those, but these are sort of quick links to various settings. Uh, and, um, and then these are milestones. So these are sort of quick links to the milestones here. You see, we've got four of them, retirement, spouse's retirement, uh, end of plan, which is a nice way of saying, you know, when we die. And when we achieve financial independence, those are the four at the moment. And if we go back to the plan, these are just quick links to each of those things. All right. And again, we'll talk more about those, but I just kind of wanted to show you how you get to stuff. And then this is your plan. We can change what we're tracking. You can see here what they're tracking if we go to data sets. They're tracking net worth and liquid net worth. I assume liquid, liquid net worth here would exclude, say, the house and cars. Um, and so that's what they're tracking over time. This is the current time right here on the far left. And, and then they have little uh, icons to tell us what's happening in these various years. So this says, uh, pay, this is when the, uh, paid off, uh, the car loan is paid off. And here, you may not be able to see these little pop-ups. Uh, they're, they're a bit small. Uh, for the video, but this is a vacation that's going to st uh, start, and it's the final year of kid number one expense. We'll talk about that, and you can just go on. There's, you know, there's when you the, the blue icon is when you achieve financial independence. This green palm tree is when uh, one spouse retires, and the the red one or pink or reddish pink is um, the spouse's retirement. Uh, this is an uh, an emergency that they're just sort of putting into the demo, assuming an emergency came up. And uh, this looks at the next 20 years, as you can see here, we can actually expand it and say, let's look at the full plan. And we get to other things like this is the start of RMDs, required minimum distributions from the traditional retirement account. So just a wealth of information, you can kind of see already why I spend time here, not really much time here, right? Okay. Uh, over here, as we, I showed you this a minute ago, but you can you can change both the appearance and what is being shown in this chart. So you, pretty straightforward. I'm not going to cover those, but pretty straightforward. And then what this shows us over here are details based on what year you're on. So we could fast forward to uh, this is when the the folks in this demo are 64 and 60 and 61, and it shows us the projection right of what their net worth will be. And if we click this down arrow. It shows uh, they're just using you and spouse, but the two individuals net worths, and you can click these and um, see the details. One of the things I've suggested to Kyle here is that we actually have a third option for joint, because right now, if, a, if an account is labeled as joint, say a joint savings account, what the tool does is, give, is put 50% of it under one spouse and 50% of it under the other, in that case, I just found that a little confusing. I don't know if he'll make that change. It was just a suggestion. But you should know if you have joint accounts, it's going to split them 50-50 between you and your spouse or significant other, you know, if you're if you're doing a two-person plan. But you see your net worth, and you can see it change. We, we've got it here. I can just hit the arrow keys on my keyboard, and it advances by one year, and we can 
see the projected changes. Pretty straightforward. And it's basically the same thing for changes in net worth, uh, liquid net worth, and all the, just a ton of, of, of data here. Uh, gross income, taxable income, um, and goals, which we'll talk about. Right now it says abandoned five goals. And if we click the down arrow, we can see what they are. Um, we'll talk about that. Okay. And then the last thing I want to show you before we dive into more details down here, these are all clickable. So we have accounts, income, expenses, uh, real estate, and cash flow. Let's start with accounts. Because remember, when we were up here in current finances, I pointed out, we'll just take the uh, 401k as an example, that there's no data here other than balance and who owns it. That's it, right? Well, if we come down to the current projection, let's find a 401k. Here it is. If we click on it and then we go to full view, it's hello. You know, there's, there's a lot more information available. The compact view just uh, brings these in into lines and you can click them open one at a time. The full view allows you to see everything at one time. Now, first point something out. One question would be, well, why are all the details at the plan level? Why don't we also have access to all of these up here in current finances? And the reason I believe, although I've never actually asked Kyle this, but um, we can create a new plan, right? And then compare it with this plan. And so one of the, one of the comparisons you may run is to say, uh, all right, do I want to assume a different growth rate for 401ks than my overall plan growth rate? And if I do, I want to change that assumption at the plan level, right? Or if I want to assume a Roth conversion, I want to assume that at, at a plan level so that I can compare that plan to say my base plan, all right? So what I'll do is I'll just walk through these just briefly, but you, obviously, you know, I, th I think most of these are self-explanatory. You have a growth rate. So what's the assumed growth rate for this specific account? And what they say here is, we're just going to use the plan growth rate. We're going to, whatever that is, we're going to use the plan growth rate. Well, we saw that. Let's go back. If we go to settings and we go to growth rates, here is the planned growth rate. Uh, investments grow at 6%, dividends at uh, yield at 2.5%, and inflation at 3 uh, And what they've done then is say, okay, what's the real rate of return? And you might think, well, wait a minute, 6 plus 2.5 is 8.5 minus 3. Shouldn't this be 5.5? Instead, it's 5.34, and that may be a little difficult for you to read, but it's 5.34. One of the great things about Projection Lab are these little icons here, these more information icons. I highly recommend you get used to clicking them. <laughs> they give a, a wealth of information. And if you click this one, it actually gives you the formula. And it, it, they incorporate a lot of links. This particular link takes you to an Investopedia article. We don't really need to look at that. But very, very useful. He, he walks through, Kyle walks through how he came up with that number. Here's the thing I would say about growth rate. I would stick with fixed rates for your base plan. And I actually think this is reasonable. What I'm really personally focused on is the real rate of return. And I think 5.34% is reasonable. Clearly it could be higher or lower. Uh, you can get much more fancy. So you can use historical based on a starting year. Uh, and let me explain the loop back year. This plan goes from age 44 to uh, 85. That's a very long time. Now, what if we wanted to start this uh, for historical data and 2010. Well, this only goes to 2021. We run out of data. So we've got to go back. We've got to loop back to some other year to get the rest of the data. 
and you can pick it. It doesn't have to be 1928, it could be something else. That's the loop back year. And then you can have modifiers if you want to bump up or, you know, I guess it could be negative uh, as well. If you wanted to reduce the investment return, the dividend rate, the inflation modifier. I see these as things you might want to play with as part of an alternative plan just for comparison purposes. And then advanced, uh, you can get really fancy. Like you, like, and, and since we're in 2022, we could say, well, what if inflation is really high? I'm just clicking and dragging this. And by the way, as I do that, you see the plan results change. By the way, when I raised inflation, it looks like we're going bankrupt when we're about 1779. Yikes. But you, you can play with this in a lot of different ways. Uh, I'm just going to reset it. Uh, and uh, like I said, for the base plan, I just used fixed rates and I actually found this pretty reasonable, but I wanted to show you this. You can do what you want. Now, if we go back to the plan, where were we? We were in this 401k. We could say, you know what? I've got bonds in this 401k, so I, I really don't think it's going to have that good of a growth rate. So you could come here and say, uh, I want to use a fixed rate and maybe it's lower, right? A real return of, of something lower than the plan's growth rate. You can, anytime you get advanced, you, start, you tend to see the same thing that you can ratchet up and down uh, as you wish. Uh, so that, that I think for a plan, particularly if you don't have the same asset allocation in all of your accounts, you probably, uh, at least as part of a comparison plan at a minimum, wanna set the growth rate at an account level. For our purposes, I'm just gonna keep it at the plan growth rate. And you can also do the same thing with the planned dividend yield. I'm gonna leave it alone. If you have someone managing your money or you have very expensive mutual funds, yeah, you need to add a fee. That's gonna make a big difference, I can tell you. Uh, and then here, th this deals with uh, whether you wanna tap this fund for withdrawals in retirement. Uh, and there are different options, always, never, after your qualified withdrawal age and so on. So you can set that as you wish. And because this is a traditional 401k, it does have early withdrawal penalties. Yes, it does. And he's got the qualified withdrawal age at 60. Technically it's 59 and a half, but that's fine. And the penalty rate, um, RMDs, because you know for the US, we've got that. We'll come back to Roth conversions and other things, but I wanted to show you that. And depending on the type of account, like if we go to a Roth IRA, you might, you might see not, yeah, in, you see slightly different options. So for the example, the Roth IRA doesn't have a Roth conversion option because you you know, you're already in a Roth, right? And if we go to just a traditional, you know, taxable account, you're not going to see all that business about early withdrawals and penalties because there aren't any. So the point being uh, that all of the details for all of your different types of accounts, they're right here. And this is where you'll set them. Okay. Income pretty straightforward. Let's see what he's got for a job. He's just, again, got a person's job. Uh, nice, 150 grand. I like it. It's yearly. And we set the retirement age is important. Let's go back. We can set it for the first spouse here, right? If I click that, whoops, if I, I can customize it. Well, that's not what I want to do. I guess, oh, that's interesting. I guess I have to go here to set it unless I'm missing something. Um, but I can set it here, retirement. Oh, that's interesting. No, I could have set it there. So you could set retirement at an age, right? I'm gonna retire at 70. That's not what he's done. He said, I wanna retire when another milestone is achieved. And he's defined the other milestone is financial independence, which is right down here. 
and he's defined financial independence to be liquid net worth, so not the real estate, not the cars, of greater than 20 times expenses. That's pretty nifty. I hadn't thought about doing that. In mine, I've just set it at an age. So going back here, I could actually change this, right? Uh, I could set it to age, for example, and then put an age in. I'm not gonna do that. But uh, whatever you set retirement at, however you do that, it's important among other things, because then you can use that retirement as the ending date or the starting date of just about anything. And here makes sense. If you're retiring, you're, you know, you're leaving your job. And uh, so that's where he has this income ending. Now you could, you could select something else. It got all different kinds of options. You could pick a specific age, your spouse's age and so on. Um, he set the, the salary to go up at four and a half percent. He set a limit though no more than $250,000 in today's currency. You can uh, like match inflation, for example, there's a lot of different options for this. I don't need to change it, that's how he set it. Tax withholding, again, you can set the percentage to whatever, and they have a few options down here. Uh, now, he's got two jobs here, my job, spouse's job. There are other types of income, right? Salary, hourly, inheritance, maybe you're, you think you'll get an inheritance. Uh, uh, side hustle. Uh, of course, you can add Social Security. Makes a lot of sense. Most people would. He hasn't put it in here, so I, I won't add it. Uh, I'll leave it where it is. But that's where you can add income. One other thing to keep in mind, let's imagine you wanted to model annuitizing part of your portfolio. I personally would do that in an, in an alternative plan to compare it. But how could you do that? Well, you could come in here and you could say, we've got some um, custom income. You could call it annuity, right? And let's say it's, uh, we'll say it's $30,000 a year. It's uh, yearly, right? It starts, uh, you can pick it whenever you're gonna buy it. Let's say you're gonna buy it when you're, uh, I don't know, 65 and it ends when you die. And it's not indexed for inflation, let's assume, as most aren't. So we'll leave this as, uh, leave this alone, it's no changes. And um, I don't think you need to add anything else here. I guess if there's taxes on an annuity, and I'm thinking through if there would be, but you could you could set that there. I'm not sure if there are. Um, and you can recur this, you could do recurring, that gets pretty interesting um, uh, with other types of income. But here you could add this, right? And then in an expense, which we'll look at now, you could add an ex the cost of the annuity. So you could click plus, you could say uh, it could just be a custom expense, label it cost of annuity, oops, put the cost in, set the year for when you're 70, and you've got the, the and, and then you can also define how, how you're going to pay for it. Um, but, but the point being, you could then sort of model the, the annuity. I'm gonna delete this because I don't wanna mess up the demo. Uh, so you could really, with the income and the expenses, you can model, you know, you could model, uh, uh, if you have rental income, you own some properties, you can model that. Um, and then, so let's talk about expenses for a moment. So the way they've done it here, and I like this, you have your sort of base expense that you, you're planning for for the rest of your life. They call it a living expense. So here it is. They're assuming 35,000 uh, in today's dollars. Uh, it's yearly. It starts now, it goes for life, it's increased. They've increased this by 6%, that's pretty significant. 
they have added a limit. I, I probably wouldn't, uh, at least not in my base plan, but that's fine. We can leave it alone. And then you can layer on that other expenses that won't last your lifetime. Maybe they're expenses you have now that will end, or they could be expenses that won't start up for 20 years and then go forward. So for example, they have kid number one. I like that. Kid number one, 12,000 annually. So the, I guess the theory here is this kid, in addition to our base expenses, will cost an extra 12,000 uh, if that were only true. In any event, uh, you've got you know yearly from now until age 50. You know, of course, and that's your age, not your child's age. Um, but of course you could set it to whatever, uh, but that's the idea. So that's kid number one and looks like they have kid number two. So this is a child that's maybe a, a few years younger because it ends at age 53. So I wanted to show you that. I think it's, you know, if you think about it that way, you can get really, really creative. And they've done that um, in other ways. So for example, they have healthcare, right? And uh, it's gonna start in retirement. I think the theory being, you know, maybe that's when they'll start paying for their own health insurance for a while, depending on their age when they retire and they're, maybe they're before Medicare. Um, and, and so maybe now they're getting their, their health care through um, work, but in retirement, they'll have to pay for it. Uh, and even if it's Medicare, you're paying, of course, paying for that. And, and so they have this for life, it's matching inflation. But then it looks like what they did here is they said, you know, let's add some additional medical expenses uh, that won't kick in until age 81. And the theory being, you know, maybe medical costs go up as you age. So again, just shows you how you can model really just about anything, I think, with these tools. Uh, and then I think he put in here just an emergency. It's a hundred grand, that's a heck of an emergency. But it's just like, I think just to test it, you know, you could just, I would probably do this not in the base plan, but in in a, a comparison plan, if, um, you know, just let's just throw in what if some terrible thing happened to the house and it wasn't insured or whatever, maybe it's a medical emergency. How would that affect our plan? And so you can set the age when this will happen. He's got it happening only once. And um, so uh, really it's about as creative as you wanna be. Again, if we click the plus, uh, you can see all the different kinds of expenses. Some of them you might think of as loans, like a student loan, uh, uh, others, you know, just like a rent would be just an ongoing expense. What wedding, you know, if you're gonna pay for a wedding at some point, you can model that. And of course you can model anything really with the custom expense. All right, real assets, again, car, house, and so on. These can, and each of these can be associated with a loan. And we saw that, uh, but we'll look at it here. Here's all the purchase details, the financing details. You can model depreciation, which I thought's pretty creative. Now, interesting thing here, you can add expenses that are associated with this asset here. I tend not to do that. Um, I tend to just lump it all into living expenses, but you know, you have a, a choice. And that actually reminds me of something. Let's go back to expenses briefly. One of the nice things about not dumping all expenses into one uh, uh, entry is that you can set different inflation adjustments. So if we go to healthcare, he's got this matching inflation. Medical expenses are matching inflation. Let's see what they have for living expenses. Living expenses are going up by 6%. So, but, but you know, you could say, well, wait a minute, I think healthcare is gonna go up by more than inflation. So instead of matching it, I wanna match it plus some other number. I wanna match it plus 4% or whatever. Um, I'll put it back. So I wanted to share that. So that can be one reason 
not to lump all of your expenses into one, one entry here. All right, so going back to real assets, uh, if we wanted to add one, you can see they've got just about everything and then a custom asset, so you could, you know, you can really model about, about anything. All right, cash flow priorities. This is the last one here right along our list, but it's the most important. So here's the deal. In any given year, you've got income and you've got expenses. Hopefully, you have some money left over. Uh, you're spending less than you're making. That's the hope, right? That's the goal. So the system needs to know, what are you gonna do with it? And this is where you tell it what you're going to do with it. And so if we click, and, and this works like a waterfall. First, it, it, it analyzes this one, and then it drops to this one. So in other words, if your extra money is just enough to, to do whatever we want it to do here, in this case, a 401k contribution in a given year, and then, you're, and then you're out of money, none of these things trigger, none of these things happen. So let's just take a look at how this works. So here, we're contributing to a 401k. This is the spouse's job. The contribution is 10% of earnings in this case. Um, there's an employer match. So that's good. Um, again, that's specific to the type of account we have here. If we go to emergency fund, just for example, there's no employer match. So this is really an impressive tool, what this can do. And so, you know, if you contribute in this case, 10% of earnings, if you have even more left over, then we contribute to this 401k, 5% of earnings. And then if you have even more left over, you start building up an emergency fund. This one is done differently. It's not just a percentage. You're building up to this target. And what this max contribution means is, once you get to this goal, put everything you got towards it until we get a balance of $40,000. Now, a couple of things to point out here. These goals will eventually end, these priorities, right? Because you're gonna retire and quit your job and you won't have a 401k, at least not one you're contributing to. Uh, the emergency fund is interesting. Uh, if we come down here and look at net worth and we go here, how does he have this? It looks like he just has it with savings. Um, let's go back in time. So savings is 40,000. You probably can't read that, but right there it's 40,000. That was the goal for this emergency fund. We could go back in time and see what year, looks like they, had the, they met the goal in year two of this plan. Now, if we go forward, we're still at 40,000 every year. Well, until, until the person reaches 59, and then there was an event that brought it down. Oh, there was an emergency. Here's the thing to keep in mind. We're looking at today's currency. We're looking at all of this in today's dollars. Over time, the actual dollars will go up with inflation. So even though the savings amount in these early years is staying at 40, the actual dollars are going up, right? To keep pace with inflation. And then as we see in the plan, something happens that draws down the savings and they build it back up. That $100,000 emergency happened and then they start trying to build it back up. But the problem is in these years, they're retired. So they might not have the money to build it back up because they're spending their money. And that tripped me up at first. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me anyway, once you understand it, but I wanted to point that out. And so they've got other, other cash flow priorities here. The thing I want to stress, and you can put in here saving for a child's education. If we click the plus button, uh, you know, adding to an HSA, you could add to a 529. If you had, if you added a 529 account, we could go over here to accounts, and here it is. We could add a 529 plan. If we added that, let's just say we got a thousand dollars. 
Um, cost basis is fine. Let's just add it. That changes the plan. And then we come over to cash flows. That should show up. Here it is, right here. So we could add that and add it to our priorities, wherever we wanted to put it in our list of priorities here. Let me go back and delete that account. Here we go. So the thing I want to point out that's critical, notice the very last priority is, look, if there's anything left over, put it in this taxable investment account, right? And here it is, right? That's important. If we were to delete this, um, in fact, let's just delete it. Things change pretty significantly, and I've seen plans that I've been playing with where you actually go bankrupt. And here's the problem. Uh, if there's something left over now, it goes to savings. So what's the problem with that? Well, savings, here it is. There's two of them, for one for each spouse. They only earn an APY of five, of five basis points. So that's not gonna work very well. So whatever priorities you have here, you want a taxable investment, maximum contribution now for life added to be at the bottom. That's gonna be your catch basin. That's gonna catch anything else uh, you know, that uh, if, you've, if you've worked through all of these other priorities and you still have money left over, that's very important. I do want to show you quickly this cash flow. Uh, this is sort of a neat chart uh, and, and it changes based on the year too. We can, let's go back, see some more interesting things, all these expenses. And if you hover, it shows you the dollar amounts. Really, really impressive, very cool. So I, I've kind of walked through everything, uh, but there's some more fun that I haven't shown you. Let's. Um, Let's, I've shown you growth rates, uh, taxes. So this is your filing status, right? Joint or separate. For income tax, for this, they've just set an effective rate of 30%, but you could have them estimate for you and pick your state of residence. Uh, and that's what I do. Of course, you could customize it and get very specific, um, but I, I think estimating it for them. The one thing I wish this did when you picked a state was show you the details. I assume they're getting all of this data right. I don't see I don't see where I can see the brackets they're using at the federal level, and um, at the state level. But I will tell you that Kyle's told me he's working on a very it sounds like a pretty impressive uh, release that's going to have a lot of additional tax analysis, which I think will be very good. I'll leave it at set effective rate. You can add bonds. I don't really see the point. I don't think the asset allocation of any of any account matters for the use of this tool, because you can just set the growth rate at an account level, and you can just do that based on what your asset allocation is. All right, now drawdown is another great feature. When, when you hit retirement and they're starting to spend money, what's the drawdown order? In fact, if we click this more information, it gives you some details. It first is gonna spend any excess cash on hand, which by the way, if we go back to the projection and we look at net worth and the savings account, once you start going into retirement, you'll see that savings account goes down. It's down to 8,000. It's probably, I don't know, maybe it eventually gets to, it's, to, it's getting filled up a little bit, so it doesn't go to zero. Um, but in any event, uh, that's in, in part because that's the excess cash. And, and by the way, this is beyond desired emergency fund, which I think is very, very creative. Uh, then they're gonna spend their crypto and you can see uh, all of the, uh, options, but the point is, and again, I would do this as a new plan. But you could say, well, you know, uh, what if I spent, um, I don't know, my HSAs first, 
You just drag, you just click it and drag it. Or what if I move this free withdrawal of past Roth? What if I make that first? What's that do to my plan, right? I don't know where this was. I'm gonna put it back here. Uh, so, or I guess we can reset to default. So this is very important, uh, particularly once you get to retirement, you can play with that in, a, in an alternate plan and then compare the differences. All right. The next thing, I know there's a lot here. And I hope you're still with me. Uh, by the way, that drawdown order you can get to here. It takes you to the same place. But the next thing I want to show you that I find a lot of fun is withdrawal strategy. So if we click this, again, I would be reading these information icons. They're very useful. But we can say, well, let's use a withdrawal strategy. Now, the first thing I want to show you is sort of a hidden, I think I call it hidden. There's a gear here. It's important. You have three options here. If you read this text, what, what they're going to do if you're going to use a withdrawal strategy is ignore your income in retirement. The idea is just to allow you to work with the withdrawal strategy. The question, though, is if you have a planned income, like Social Security, for example, you can have th this ignore it while you're looking at these withdrawal strategies, or you can have you can use any income you have in retirement to boost annual spend or to decrease decrease drawdown. I'm going to ignore it because the idea being I really just want a pure understanding of the withdrawal strategy. But you can play with those options. Um, the strategy is going to begin at retirement. We're going to use an initial percentage strategy. You see, has a number of strategies. He's got Guyton Klinger in here. The uh, Bogleheads variable percentage withdrawal. This is Kitsy's ratcheting safe withdrawal. We'll just go with the 4% rule. And we're starting at 4%. And we're done. Now, this maps it out. Now, recall, this is assuming a, a very nice, even, consistent growth rate, right? We know in retirement that's just not reality. So we're looking at the 4% rule, but with very unrealistic return and inflation assumptions. Bill, if Bill Bingen taught us anything, it was that the sequence of returns and inflation matter. Not to worry. We're going to come over to advanced. And we're going to go to the Monte Carlo simulation. And we're, to start with, uh, we're going to use backtesting. There's a custom version here. But we're going to use backtesting. It uses the S&P 500, US inflation, they do have some assumptions on cryptocurrency. If you have that, you can obviously change the mean and standard deviation. And we're basically ready to go. Um, there's the, the looping that we talked about is here. Um, so anyway, let's run this. It's 100, let's see, 94, 94 uh, simulations. And what it's doing, let's look down here. So trial one says, we're gonna use historical sequence from 1928 to 1968. Remember, we've gotta get from age 44 to the end of the plan at, 80, at 85. So we're basically talking 40, 40, 41 years. So the first one is 28 to 68, then 29 to 69, then 1930 to 70. And if we look at all of them, you know, what eventually it has to loop back, right? Because like these start so late, there's not enough, there's not 40 years of data. So it gets to 2021. So then it loops back for what it needs to. Now, um, this tells us that it's a 95.7% uh, success rate. Here's the thing about this tool that I really enjoy. You can see here the results. Green is large surplus. Blue is, is it succeeded. Yellow is it didn't fail, but it almost failed. And then red is it failed. Here's the thing that's so cool about this. You can drill down into any of these. So let's look at a large surplus. 1928, it's hard to imagine a large surplus right before the uh, uh, 
stock market crash of 29, but we can click it and it shows us the results here. Here's what I find interesting. So this is a year by year analysis. Here's the withdrawal rate. Of course, it's zero until you retire. And again, you might not be able to see this, but in this row is the year they retire and it's got 4%, right? Because we're following the 4% rule. Here's what it does that I find great. Uh, in year two, if you're following the 4% rule, recall that percentages don't matter, right? You simply take whatever you took out the year before, year one of retirement and adjust it for inflation. But what this tool does is it does that, but then it says, hey though, let's take that number, divide it by the, the, the portfolio to see what the withdrawal percentage was that year. It wasn't how we calculated the amount, we just adjusted it for inflation, but let's look at the percentage anyway. And so here it's 6.31556, it goes up as high as eight a number of times, but then eventually because of market returns and lower inflation it does very well, it actually ends the plan on the last year. You got 10 million bucks and your withdrawal rate is only 1.84%. Why do I like that? Because you can then look at other years that give you trouble, like almost failed. And look at this withdrawal rate. See, this one gets into the 11, 12, 14, 15, eventually gets very high at the end. Doesn't fail, but it comes close. And I think, and in fact, I'm gonna do another video on this, but analyzing this data, I think can give us some idea of tracking our withdrawal rate each year as a way to know, uh-oh, we're at 8% or we're at 9%, uh, you know, as, as we just adjust for inflation each year, that could be a problem. From what I can tell, like this one survived rates as high as, uh, you know, 15, what well, got really high at the end. Here's the thing, it's not just the withdrawal rate, but it's also at what point in your retirement do you hit that withdrawal rate? If we go to a fail, whoops, gotta go back to Monte Carlo. If we go to uh, a year that fails, here we go. We'll look at this one. It gets it go. It starts at four and it goes straight up. And we're at twelve percent at age sixty. That's a problem. And it doesn't come down. It, it moderates a little bit, but we're at thirteen percent, fifteen, and yeah, we run out of money at age eighty-one. Some of these run out of money very early. Um, but it, it, I think looking at that in, in enough detail can give, you a, can give you an idea of what to watch for in terms of warning signs. Now, uh, I'm gonna go back out of this. I'm gonna go back into Monte Carlo. Let's see here. Oh yeah, this little, if you can see this icon over here, you can edit your simulation here. And one of the things you can do is come over to custom and you can use a normal distribution, which is just a term in statistics, but you can set the average of your returns and the standard deviation. So you can customize uh, this to generate uh, what might be closer to, to a true Monte Carlo simulation. So just, it's a lot of rich features, really enjoying this tool a lot. And then of course, if you set anything different, you could rerun the simulation. So now I wanna show you one last feature that's really important and, the, and it's creating a second or two or more plans to compare them. One of the things I wanna point out is that we were looking at the, the, using this withdrawal strategy and we set it to basically um, ignore when the strategy is active. So if you do that, it's important that you then disable the withdrawal strategy, particularly when you wanna compare plans or it will override a lot of the information in your plan. 
so point that out because I've made that mistake where I've left that active. So we can create a new plan easily. Let's just we click the new plan link here. We're going to clone a plan. The plan we're going to clone is current projections. We'll use start. Uh, the start date is now. It just continues to update it as time moves forward rather than a fixed date. We'll use today. We'll create the plan. And, and we can actually just skip to the plan. Um, and it's identical. We've, we haven't changed anything yet. And we're going to call this um, Roth conversions. I like to label them based on what I'm going to do differently in this second plan in order to compare it to the first. So we'll come down to, um, we'll just get extreme here. Let's convert both. So I've clicked on the first 401k. I'm going to come down here to Roth conversions. I'm going to toggle the switch. Uh, conversion start year says retirement. Let's do now. And um, we can edit this here and actually drill down on specific years that we want to do the conversion, right? Um, I think, or we can just start to say, well, let's convert some now. We can use this line. Now, one thing I want to do is edit it. It's limited to a max of 140. I say go big or go home. We'll, we'll put it at 25 grand. And let's say we, I don't know, we'll do 10,000 and then we'll do another, can I drag that? Yeah, another, we'll do whatever. We're just gonna, we're just gonna sort of arbitrarily pick some conversions. Uh, there we go. And we're gonna save it. And then we're gonna save this. And we, we see some, a lot of different things happening up here. The first thing is this icon here. If you hover over each year, it tells you how much you've converted that year. All right, so let's go to the other 401k. Let's just do a lot of Roth conversions. We'll start this. This one we'll, we'll leave to retirement. That's when we'll start. Uh, yeah, we'll leave it to retirement. Um, and uh, we're going to edit it again to increase the max to this account was a little bigger. Let's do 50,000. Save that. And then again, we can just, whoops, let me go here to do it. Yeah, I messed that up. Let's try it again. And so we'll do, we'll start off smaller and then we'll get big and then really big. Save it, save it here. And again, a bunch of icons come up um, and you can hover over each year and see what's going on. Uh, and you can see here, I know it, it moves as I move my cursor towards it, but it'll tell you the accounts, what's happening, your age, your net worth and so on. It, it's very, very useful. So I've kind of gone extreme uh, so that we can do a comparison. So to do that, we click this advanced button here, compare. Um, we're going to compare, actually, let me cancel this out. I want to go to the current plan called current projections. And I want to compare that plan to my new plan, which I've select right here. I called Roth conversions, compare. Now, it, what we'll see are the differences over here. And so for example, but, but these differences, if I hover over this, it says the net worth in the active plan, which is the current projections plan, is, is plus $211,886 compared to the Roth conversion. But that's at a specific point in time. If we move, I can just use the arrow keys, as we move to different years, the changes in the plans vary. And that would be expected, particularly here, because you're converting Roths not all at once, but over time. And so you can use that to run, well, as many scenarios as you want, and you can compare the net worth, the change in the net worth, the um, liquid net worth, drawdowns, 
gives you a withdrawal rate comparison, which I find interesting. Um, you can look at federal taxes, uh, taxable income and the differences. So uh, it, it gets, gives you a, a, a sort of a bird's eye view of how one plan compares to another. And of course you could create more plans, right? We could create another plan maybe where we buy an annuity or where we take a around the world vacation when we're 68 or, or whatever. And so it's really limited by your own imagination and your, your goals in life. So I think it's very handy. I do think this comparison tool could be built out a little better. I think part of it comes down to taxes with Roth conversions. And um, as I mentioned, Kyle is working on a big update on taxes. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what that looks like uh, once he rolls that out. So there you go. That's Projection Lab. I really like it a lot. It's certainly uh, one that's on the top of my list. If you have any questions about it, uh, leave them in the comments below. I'll do my best to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.